Good evening and welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 11. We're going to talk about distracted, worried, and focusing on the wrong things. I got to tell you in advance that this is a convicting lesson for myself, and I hope that a lot of people, whether you are going to worship every Sunday or going to Bible class, or you're just having the Spirit draw you, that this is an opportunity to get the Lord's message to you regarding what's going on in your mind and what's troubling you and snatching away your peace. I'm starting in Luke chapter 4 verse 4 for a reason. A lot of us know about Christ being baptized in the Jordan and that at the beginning of this Luke 4 it talks about him being full of the Holy Spirit and then him being taken to be tempted. Uh, many of us know the story that he fasted 40 days and 40 nights and then Satan the devil started to tempt him. And the first temptation that he does is in verse 4, I want you to see. It says, it says, verse 3, let's say, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of Man, remember he's hungry, If you are the Son of Man, command this stone to become bread. Now this is what Jesus does and what we take for granted. He uses a scripture. A lot of us are, I'm that way too. My husband loves to read. I'm not a great reader. But because we don't know the scripture, we can be easily deceived because Satan will mix truth and lie and we don't know the difference because we're not studying. But look what it says in verse 4. Christ says, But Jesus answered him saying, It is written, this is the scripture, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word of God. So there's a factor of what we eat and the supplies and sustenance that I, faith tells me don't use big words. The things that we need in our daily lives. Remember the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art never, and it says, I'll by the name and it talks about giving us our daily bread. Now look at what verse 5 says. Satan goes to the second level. His ways of deceiving and tempting us to be distracted and worried and focusing on the wrong things aren't different. Maybe it's in 2018 or later in our lives that we have these experiences, but it's the same thing. He makes us question, does God care? And look what happens here in verse 5. Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. When it comes to being distracted and worried and focusing on the wrong things, this is the key of what's going on here. If you remember your baby steps of learning the Bible, you learned about the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments says, don't covet. And it talks about a whole list, you know, don't focus on wanting to have what your neighbor has, whether it's his donkeys or his wife or all these things that your neighbor has, things that you see out of your eye. Well, Satan was trying to tell Jesus or suggest to Jesus, I'll give you all authority. I'll give you all these kingdoms. And what we struggle with day to day, all of us in the natural, is that we want kingdoms. And you're like, what kind of kingdom do I want? I'm not talking about you going to Saudi Arabia and having a kingdom. I'm sharing with you that in your lives, in all of our lives, we have kingdoms that we want. We want things. Well, pastors want attendance and buildings and cash. People may want houses and land. And people want fame and fortune. People want a good-looking husband, a great-looking wife. They want multiple children, they want assets, they want things to give a return on the investment. The kingdoms are multiple ones. But the thing of it is, you have to focus on what is important in the eternal. Because what happens is, what keeps you up at night is the kids aren't behaving. 
the money's not working out. The bills are more than the money coming in. The husband and wife is acting a fool. The job is falling apart. You're getting a pink slip. You hear tragedy on the news. Somebody's had a mass killing. Somebody has just died. Some tragedy hits us all and it just causes our kingdoms to fall apart because they're built on sand and not on faith and the Lord. Look what the Lord responds back to Satan. And this is something we have to think of. And Jesus answered him in Luke chapter four, verse eight, and said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Many of us find ourselves serving. There's a scripture that says, you cannot serve two masters. It'll be in Matthew 6 when we go there in a minute. But many of us choose not to serve Jesus. We serve ourselves. We serve those kingdoms because we want that authority. We want that power. We want to look good in front of the people. I have the complex, I got to be careful all the time, of vanity and selfish ambition and caring what people think. Well, I want you to go over to Luke chapter 10. I want to show you a story. Now, I read out of, a lot of the time out of the New King James, but I'm going to read out of the NIV for this passage. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. It's a story of Mary and Martha, but I want to break it down a little bit. Because what you're going to see here is Martha being really focused on the serving of the bread. And she's like a woman. Any of us in the midst of hospitality, we want everything to be right. The food to be right, the place to be right, when people sit down, having enough chairs, having everything ready, all the preparations all together. But look what happens here in this passage. I'm going to read out of the uh, NIV. It says, verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Very important. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. They didn't have to be made right then and there, but we people who love hospitality got to have everything just right. She came to him, meaning Jesus Christ, and asked, here's that question about act like Christ doesn't care. Lord, don't you care? I can hear the tune in her voice. Lord, don't you care? that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself. Tell her to help me. First of all, check your tone when you're talking to Jesus because he is the Lord God Almighty. And I know we think we can just say anything to the Lord, we can use his name in vain, but check yourself. I love the Lord and how he responds. He doesn't ever get rattled. You can hear his calm voice in the reply in the scripture here in verse 41. When he says something more than once, it's for emphasis. And he comes back and says to her, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset. Other translation says distracted and troubled. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. She's freaking out about all the preparations. Few things are needed, or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better. Of all those many things you got focused on that you freaking out about in your life, in my life, Christ is saying, you need to focus on me, eternal things. But he keeps saying, it. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. 
When you go to Matthew chapter 6, it talks about don't have treasures where moth and rust and thieves can steal. The things that we are freaking out about, upset about, hair falling out, teeth falling out, gaining weight, can't sleep at night. It's things that some of them are temporary, temporary treasures. And even I got to tell you the truth, if you're dealing with misbehaving children, ultimately you got to remember those children were gifts from the Lord. And their disobedience, you may think, is all toward you, but ultimately they are rejecting and rebelling against the Lord, and they're holding on to the darkness, and they're gravitating what Satan is offering them. It could be drugs and alcohol. It could be fame and fortune. It could be just don't want to listen to you. And unfortunately, I know you love. I heard Ricky Smiley. He was speaking something, but I could hear in his heart the disappointment, the frustration, the anger, the despair of a father that's done all he can. And some of you mothers and fathers and grandfathers are distracted and worried to death and focusing all these children and these grandchildren, but you have to give them over to the Lord. You cannot be their savior. Do you remember in the Lord's prayer that he taught us? He said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Not your kingdom. You can't make a kingdom on this earth for your children. You can't focus so much on the preparations. I got to get them right. I got to get them set up, get a house. I got to get them right. You have to share with them the message of truth. I want you to look at something about worry. Because often we talk about worry and we skip over these scriptures so fast. So fast that we just take for granted that God is saying the same thing to us as he was saying back then to all of these people. Again, he's sharing with us that we cannot add to anything of our stature. He says, why are you worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what clothes you're going to put on? Matthew 6 is so clear about what God is trying to tell us, but that's the very thing that we're all having a problem about. Honey, did you pay that bill yesterday? No, dear, you know we don't have enough. Did, did, did Sarah come home last night on time? No, she didn't. That's disobedience. Who's going to discipline her? We have so many things going on in our lives. And the thing that we have to realize, in order for us to have the right focus, we have to know who are we looking to. Are we looking to ourselves to fix all these problems in our lives? Or are we looking to the Lord? I want you to go over to Acts chapter 9. And you would say, why are we going to go talk about Saul? And I'm going to talk to you about Saul before his conversion. Because often we run right to the Damascus Road. We see Stephen Stone. We hear that Paul, Saul at the time, he was holding the clothes of the people that stoned Stephen, killed him. And we start off on Acts chapter 9. And it talks to you that meanwhile that Saul... It said he was still breathing. You know how when you have somebody's breath? I snore so I can be honest and know. I know that it's a lot of breath going on. But he says, it says in Acts chapter 9, that then Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest. And you're going to see that his focus was not on Christ. It was on everything but. He thought he was doing the right thing. And a lot of people who listen here, think they're doing the right thing. 
they got a good job, got a good family. They seem like they're good people, like Cornelius. Good people, helping out where they can, give to the homeless, say nice things, do nice things. But in reality, they're on the wrong side. And Saul, before his conversion, like some of you, before your conversion, you think you are on the right path. But all the while, the Lord is trying to say to you, just like he's going to say to Saul when he has that conversation, and the Lord is drawing through the Holy Spirit, some of you through this opportunity of Facebook or YouTube or wherever the media that you're watching this. He's saying just like to Paul. Paul gets his letters and he's about to go. And on verse 3 of Acts 9, it says, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, remember I told you two times for emphasis, Christ? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Some of you are going to fall. The scripture says pride comes before fall. But some of you have such an arrogance that you don't need God. You don't need to worship him. You're all right with God. The man upstairs... He's not a man. He's an almighty God and he's a spirit. He's the living God. And we want to make sure that just as he said to Saul, 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 why are you persecuting me? And Saul asked the question because he's like, what are you talking about? I'm on the right path. And he's going to find out, no, he's not on the right path. It says, and he said, Saul's saying to, to who's not sure, he says in verse 5, who are you? Some of you are like, who is God that I should think about him? Who is God? It's a good question to ask. Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And most of you say, I don't know what that means. All of the persecution that you have, I don't want to be about those Christians. They're phony. That church is full of hypocrites. I can't stand these people. I don't like going there. It's boring. Why do they always have to talk about Jesus? When I first heard my brother get saved, I had nothing that I wanted to hear about the church that he was talking about. I didn't want to hear him play his Christian music. I didn't want him to get in the car and put on one of those preaching tapes. I wanted nothing to do with him. And I was rolling my eyes on the inside saying, can we just get there? Can we put on some music? I didn't persecute openly. I did it mockingly, privately. But in reality, some of us are so bold these days, we cuss using Jesus' name, we, we mock people who are going to church, we make people feel like they're the stupid ones because they want to go and have worship. I even heard one of the victims that was tragically assaulted in his youth say that because of the hurt that he had with that incident with priests, he said, only the people that go to church now, they just want a pass for hell. They just want to get out of hell. That's not the only reason that we need Christ. And I wanted to share that some of us in the church are distracted and worried and focusing on the wrong things and our motives are wrong. Now, I can say that because if you go to Matthew 7, Matthew 7 is a scripture that used to scare me when I first got saved because... It made me realize that there's going to be people who are members of churches. And my husband distinguishes on our website the difference between a member and a disciple. A lot of people can go to church. 
go to church, be members of church, but not have a relationship as a disciple and a worshiper. Remember the Lord said to the woman at the well that the Father is seeking true worshipers. Those that are written in the book of life, he knows his sheep and the sheep know his voice. But look what this scripture that always had me unnerved says. Start with verse 19 of chapter 7 of Matthew. It says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Meaning, his disciples. And we talked this past Sunday about love. You'll know Christians because they love. But look what he says in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, that's saying something twice for emphasis, says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Get this on verse 22. If you think you got it all right, you and God good. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. That word, I never knew you, has stuck in my mind since I've been 10 years old. And I heard it. And I said, oh my God. It is my family member, this family member, are, are they going to get there? Are they really genuinely saved? Does Christ know them? I didn't want anybody that I loved. And you, I've never seen some of you. I love you. Because Christ loves you. And it's not his will that any should perish. But I don't want any of you to get in front of the Almighty God and his son stand in front of you. And he says to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Some say practice evil. That in your natural life, you pretended that you love Christ. But your motives were about yourself and what people saw. But Christ sees the heart. He knows who are his. And some of you, if tonight, we're seeing tragedy after tra tragedy. People going to movie theaters, grocery stores, going to the bank, going to a pizza place, going to a church. I don't say that to give you fear. I say that to say that everyone has an appointed time that they are going to breathe their last breath. We're seeing 22-year-olds and 18-year-olds. We don't know the age, but we don't know the time that it will be our time. And we can't make assumptions that we're going to be like the thief on the cross and have that moment to say, Father, forgive me. I repent. You don't know. So it's better to go ahead and to ask Christ into your heart. Ask him to help you understand what this relationship is about. It doesn't have to be churchy. It doesn't have to be lofty words. You don't know all the scriptures. I don't, nobody knows them all. But you can say, God, help me. Help me because I need you. If that loneliness and that void that you feel, it's because you don't have Christ. Until you have him in your life, that relationship, you will not have the fullness of that void that you're trying to fill with everything but 
all those temporary treasures, all those things that you're running after that Satan is offering you, they're not going to end with anything but hell. We don't like to talk about hell anymore, but there is a hell and there's a heaven. And it says that the Lord wants you to be with him. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. For God so loved, so loved you. You are the world. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, for you. And if it had just been for you on this earth, he would have given Jesus because he wants you to spend eternity with him. So I hope that something tonight has helped you to prioritize your focus to be on Jesus Christ. The Bible is every page is about him, leading us to him, guiding us to him, letting us know that we're not in this by ourselves. We have a heavenly father, our almighty God, that wants us to be loved. And he's given the greatest gift of love in his son, Jesus Christ. I love you. Thank you for joining and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.